At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. This week, oh, for those of you that like comic books, you're in for a treat. For those of you that are like, oh, these guys are always talking about comic books, uh, you're in for a treat. Because this week we're going to be talking about our top five favorite superhero tropes. Those things that show up in comics that seem to go uh, hand in hand with superheroes. I've got a, I've got a list. Let me just say that. In fact, I'll start off this week uh, with my number five, and it is the bat signal is a trope. Uh, we could just say any kind of signal. I mean, Batman has the bat signal. Uh, Superman has Jimmy Olsen's watch. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, anytime there's trouble, you know how to signal the superhero wherever they're at, because of course, superheroes have their secret identity. And so you just can't call them up and say, uh, Hey, uh, can you come help us out? Uh, I don't know what they have over on the Marvel side. Uh, Tony Stark has his, uh, alcoholism. I think no. Thor has a, a mug of mead, but yes, any kind of signal to <sighs> get the hero to come to your aid is definitely a trope that you see with uh, superhero types. And so my number five is the signal, more specifically the bat signal. Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five, and this is, you know, one of those things where there are so, so many that I love. But I started thinking about what comics have made the biggest impact on me. So my number five is based on one of my favorite ever comics, uh, Mark Gruenwald's uh, Squadron Supreme from 1986. And so my number five is the alternate company equivalent where you have a character in the Marvel Universe who represents Superman or Wonder Woman, or you have Batman meet someone who's very clearly the Punisher with uh, you know the serial numbers filed off. For a while in the 90s, they did the real thing, and it was never satisfying because it couldn't go anywhere. Daredevil can't win, Batman can't lose, but when you have like the squadron supreme acting as justice league, you know, stand-ins, you can do things like take over the world and see how terrible these things happen. Or you can have moments where instead of Hal Jordan, green lantern, who is just a terrible, misogynistic, hateful jerk, uh, pilot, you can have Dr. Spectrum who in the Supreme power series was a terrible, hateful, misogynistic jerk, astronaut and that's entirely different distinctly and legally so because you kind of have to when you're you know playing with tropes that kind of belong to somebody else but it's nice when arachnaman shows up in gotham city or somehow the fantastic four is all of a sudden you know they're up against a guild of justice i really like it when you have that character who's standing in for a character that we actually don't own the alternative company equivalent all right very good uh rodrigo is here hello rodrigo hey do you have a uh a fifth place favorite superhero trope yes oh um, please share my number five is 
uh, good deeds with dark powers. Um, And (laughs) this is both here and at number five, because this was a big thing in the 90s, which is when I started reading comics. You know, you had guys like Spawn and you had guys like everyone that was copying Spawn. (laughs) And yeah, you had a lot of superheroes who got their powers from hell or from darker um, places from a curse or, or, or something like that. Obviously it, that wasn't invented in the nineties, right. uh, but uh, it definitely came back with a vengeance in the nineties. Uh, and it's also at number five and not any higher because I think because of that, a lot of us kind of got tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, the, that, brooding dark character off in the corner often comes up a little bit more comical but if it's written well it still works and i do like to see it so yeah my number five good deeds with dark powers oh yes all right got your literal son of satan depending on what year you get into comics or your um your heckler from heck i mean ghost writer like probably Yeah. yeah just somebody who like really blew the doors off of this trend, right? And, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in a whole mm-hmm. new age. Of, and, and, that's, and that's the thing is like, the 90s were kind of doing what the 70s did, except with better paper. Yeah. Yeah. Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 All right. Uh, the, there is our number five. And now we're moving up our list to number four. Again, this is one that I kind of like because if you're a superhero or a good guy or whatever that you may be, maybe you're a, an anti-hero. Uh, you don't want people to know your your true identity. So you need to wear a mask and more than likely you're also going to have a cape of some kind. So my number four is a cape and a mask combo uh, with that. No one will be able to tell who you are. Superman wears a cape. Batman wears a mask and a cape. Uh, Green Lantern wears a mask and a cape. Uh, let's see who else is a cape and mask kind of person. Uh, I guess you could say the original Red Tornado is kind of got a mask and a cape. Uh, so there you go. She's got a pot. It counts, I think. I mean, it's a some, mask. Some covers her face. Of all superheroes, I'm pretty sure there's a caped black canary with like the domino mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 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 Phantom Lady has got mm-hmm. that. Yeah, cape and a mask. It's a, it's a great combo. Uh, I prefer the cape of the mask over the leotard, uh, just because I think a cape and a mask looks stylish. A leotard is just like, eh, maybe a little bit too revealing there. I, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from wearing all three. I mean, you're That's right. That's true. They you occupy different right. spaces on your character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's been diving into the Marvel RPG. Anyway, Matthew, what do you have on your number four slot? It's interesting that you mentioned the cape and mask, because my number four is actually in a similar vein, but I think from an earlier era, and I... Uh, as well as uh, the good people at TV Troves refer to it as coat, hat, mask, or as I like to call it, the Green Hornet archetype, where your bad guy is out there and he's like, oh, you cannot stop me. And all of a sudden you get this really great silhouette of a man in a fedora with a big cape or a big cloak in the case of the Phantom or not the Phantom, excuse me, the Shadow. And then you get that thing where you pull out and it's like, oh, he's got a little domino mask or he's got something across his face you know it's kind of almost a pulp hero trope but it shows up so much in modern comics especially those 90s books you know that rodrigo was totally into but uh, i also like it when abe sapien 
puts on a coat and a hat and then like a beard or uh, when the thing goes out in public, you know, he's still six foot three, you know, 500 pounds and bright orange, but he's wearing a coat and a hat and, a, you know, a little pair of glasses. It's the classic, classic. way to yeah, yeah. classic Ninja Turtles, too. Exactly. You're you're disguising yourself, but the people who use it as their costume are just amazing. If you've ever seen the original, the first appearance of Deadshot back in like 1956 or so, full tuxedo, top hat, domino mask, and 45 caliber guns. I mean, as much as I love that Marshall Rogers costume with the silver mask and the red tights, I'm telling you, the coat, the hat, and the mask trick is just too, too cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, robots with strong personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can, can generally be any personality except for the classical, like, highly analytic robot one. Like, I would say data doesn't factor into that, like, doesn't is not this trope, but uh, Machine Man from Next Wave is this trope. Uh, I would say uh, Warlock kind of fits this trope. You know, like, what what is the phalanx? You know, but he's kind of a robot guy. <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the paranoid android from... Marvin? Yeah, Marvin, the paranoid android, fits into mm-hmm. this, right? He has a strong, very human personality traits. Mm-hmm. And that makes it interesting because they're robots. Now, I I love a, a, a good analytical robot as much as the next person. I love like jokes delivered in deadpan ways by robots, mm-hmm. but also like a robot who's very angry or very sad. Or um, does the vision very... fit into this uh, vision of Not your really, number the, three? The vision is the vision is very even keeled, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though he does have human emotions and, and is very close to being a human, most of the time he plays the Spock um, mm-hmm. to, uh, I don't know who else's bones. One kind of an, I, I think Iron Man would be your Kirk. Right. And then classically you'd get like Captain America or sometimes the Beast. Right. I think the Beast really fits that bones motif back in right. the 70s Marvel. It's like smart, but also knows like goes from the heart right and 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 vision and literally named dr mccoy and literally named dr mccoy so yeah that that works and and also presumably has bones so it all it all it all fits together yeah Yeah. very cool i like that uh here's a here's a tweet a dm that someone slid into my dms and sent me this Mm -hmm. message mute burr uh ursoy says hi i'm a student i received a sum of five thousand usd trx20 but I don't know how to sell USDT to get USD into my bank account. Can you teach me how to use my trust wallet? I will pay you 300 USDT as a reward. Well, Mootber, I can't help you there, but what I can do is I can point you to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers, where you can become uh, one of our awesome people and support us at the $5 a month level, the $10 a month level. Uh, you can go higher. You can do 300 USDT if you like, and you get access to a whole bunch of other things. Plus, you get the satisfaction of joining a growing community of really awesome patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And who knows? Maybe your money laundering scheme will work if you do it that way. I'm not going to say yes or no, but if you would like to contribute up to 300 USDT, I don't know what that is technically. Uh, but please feel free to do so. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. All right, there we go. Uh, 
what are we up to? Number three? Number three already. Number three already. Oh, my number three, I think, is a good one. One of my favorite tropes is reverse good guy. In the reverse good guy trope, you have the exact same power set, the exact same, you know, sometimes even the exact same history, but he is the evil version or the good version of the guy. I think a, a great example of this would be uh, Ultraman from Earth uh, uh, 3. Uh, or the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Johnny quick, not the real Johnny quick, but the other Johnny quick from earth three, <laughs> all those guys are reverse. Good guys. Owl man is reverse. Good guy. It's Batman, but he's an owl and he's evil. And he's sleeping with wonder woman behind Superman's back or Ultraman's back. Um, what do they have over there in the Marvel universe? I mean, I guess beta Ray bill, uh, is my guess, but there you go. My number <laughs> three, <laughs> my number three, the reverse good guy. Matthew, who do you have for your number three? If if you're keeping track, Faithful Spoilerites, uh, we've learned today that Beta Ray Bill is evil, and apparently several people sold their soul to the devil. Yeah, now, exactly. Uh, my number three may be actually kind of two different things mashed together, because it falls under the heading both of what kind of lame power is heart, which is, you know, hey, you've got this weird esoteric power. He can shoot fire, but what's your thing? And also what I like to call the single power superhero, where you can just fly or just run or just change the color of things. I really love when you have somebody who people are like, you're useless. You're totally useless. And yet somehow they become part of a well-oiled superheroic machine. I always lose the example of Bouncing Boy. Bouncing Boy is in the Legion of Superheroes, and he is treated as a peer and a colleague by Superboy and a more powerful Superboy and another Superboy who can only do things one at a time and a Superboy who's a girl. And these four people are like, yes, this is our friend and colleague, our trusted advisor, one of our closest you know, people. This is a guy who is just as cool as us, they say. Well, and, also because Bouncing Boy has blackmail on all of them. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and his, his dad has a Camaro. But more importantly, if you look at, you know, the question, what kind of a lame power is heart? If you actually watch Captain Planet, you know that it's the power of Mati that keeps Captain Planet on even keel. You know, earth, air, fire, and water, they don't necessarily mix well. That power of heart is the binding. It's the thing. It's the flower in your cake. When you say, hey, why is Ben Grimm one of the coolest guys in the Marvel Universe? His single power is just being a big, strong guy. I mean, there's, other, there's even other monster guys in the Marvel Universe, and the Hulk is cooler because the Hulk is a color that I can actually see. But when you say... The Thing is the coolest guy ever. It's because even though his only power is, I am made of rock and I will hit you really hard, he's also funny and entertaining and he never quits. And you get these moments where just going out there and being strong isn't enough. And he literally gets the snot kicked out of him and refuses to give up, refuses to stop. Why? Because, my friend's heart is the best power of all. And even if all you can do is change things to color, you can be a superhero. Remember, it was Color Kid who fixed the kryptonite cloud and made it possible for Superboy to return to the Legion in the first place. Yeah, and don't so, forget when they get together, it's Moida. Moida? Yeah, heart to heart. 
Moira. Yep. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three favorite superhero trope? Uh, my number three is a baseball game or whatever. Oh. Uh, yeah, this is a this is something that I first saw probably the X Men doing. I think mm-hmm. the X Men playing baseball is very much like like its own trope, separate from just the general like everybody gets together to play a game. Um, and yeah, so you know you have characters going up against you know staggering odds and megalomaniacal villains and things like that. And but every once in a while, there's a lull. And everybody gets together and they play baseball and they use their superpowers to do something besides fighting. Um, and that's fun and interesting to see every once in a while, right? Um, if, you, uh, if you're if you a fan of Twilight, this trope literally shows up pretty early on, I think. <laughs> uh, we can play vampire baseball. Right. Um, so, yeah. It's just I, like I, baseball, but it sucks. Yeah, it's just like it's just like baseball, but darker because you have to do it when it rains. Okay. Um, so yeah, a baseball game or you know whatever game, but for some reason, I think for a long time, baseball was just kind of the thing. That, like the Avengers did it, and the X Men did it. So it's for just, a while, yeah. the Avengers and the West Coast Avengers had an annual game between them, an intramural coast to coast game. Sure, yeah, that yeah. always got interrupted. Yeah. Speaking of interruptions, I have a, a, a little cat in here who uh, we're making sure is not chewing on wires. Anyway, we are up to, what, number two? Now, yep. here is a superhero trope that I just love to hate, but it's still a favorite. Ill-defined powers. Mm-hmm. Here is a hero that can kind of just do everything but we don't know why they're able to do kind of like everything, even though their power set may be, I can, I have the power of empathy. I also have the power to read your mind. I also have the power of telekinesis. I also have the power of uh, mind wiping you. I also have the power of uh, swapping your power set with my power set completely ill-defined. And yet that character will still be in the final season of the flash, but uh, ill-defined powers my number two favorite superhero trope. There we go. Matthew, what I'm about sorry. you? Ill-defined powers are the bread and butter of comics. Well, certainly of the flash are, of the flash television series. If your powers are too well-defined, I mean, you're not any fun. I mean, no, you can be totally fun. fun. Right. No, you can't. Like there's, there's heroes there. There's characters that don't have well-defined powers that just carry series for years. And yes. Years. Yes. That's very true. Yes. I mean, I'm looking I at you, Captain America. I'd, what <laughs> Matthew what yeah. do you have for your number two is it a real uh, shield is it a laser shield make yeah. up your mind is it adamantium is I it vibranium like, what is it I, I picked a really bad day to stop sniffing glue <laughs> um my number two is uh one that I like to call she takes after her dad I believe the tv tropes calls it super powerful genetics where if you have powers even if you got those powers from a bolt of lightning, even if you got those powers uh, because an alien came to Earth and handed you a glowing ring, your little one is going to have powers, and they're probably going to be a take on your powers. Even though that's not how genetics works, that's not how anything works, uh, you know, comic writers don't have to learn biology. 
So you have this thing where, oh, well, you're you're a Kryptonian. You marry Lois Lane. You have a half Kryptonian baby, but he's somehow just as powerful as you. Why? Who knows? Just move on with it. You have the thing where, uh, yeah, they gave me a ring in 1939, and so my daughter is born green and glowing, but it turns out that my son is made of shadow. I have no idea why this is such fun for me, because I really love it when the rules are completely broken. Uh, to make this work. If you guys have ever read Wild Cards, the the other George R.R. R. Martin joint, the Wild Cards universe is based, it's predicated on the fact that the powers are uncontrollable. You cannot figure out, you cannot predict, you cannot decide what your powers are. And one in 10 people gets powers, two or three of them turn into monsters and the rest just die. And yet somehow there's a character named Mistral who has the exact same powers as her father, Cyclone. Why? Because it made for a good story this one time. And there's actually a point in one of the, the books, which of course was based on George R.R. R. Martin's role-playing game, uh, Champions Role-Playing Group, where they had to literally take the premise of the book and explain the existence of this character and there's like a chapter and a half explaining how this happened and this happened. And somehow he almost psychically affected her DNA while she was in the womb. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. Why does the Hulk's son have superpowers? Well, because he's a Hulk. Why does the Hulk's son, who would have been born before the Hulk was irradiated, still have superpowers? Oh, he's a Hulk. So what this means is all of our kids are going to glow in the dark and they're going to have cool powers. And that's why. The super powerful genetics trope is such fun in comics. Yeah, it's almost like the ill-defined superpowers. Uh, speaking of wild cards, Matthew. Yes. Did you know, maybe you did, uh, Marvel currently has wild cards, the drawing of the cards comic book series. Uh, it's a four issue miniseries. Uh, issue two just came out the week of this recording. Hmm. That's over at Marvel Comics for anyone who cares. Paul Cornell, Mike Hawthorne working on that comic. There you go. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, my number two is a um, a trope that we don't see a lot of the time, I think because it's difficult to write or to justify. Hmm. Uh, but there's a few instances of it that uh, that I always enjoy when I when I see them. And that's time displaced versions of the same character that don't get along. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right, so you can have a a character who is a superhero fighting their future selves as a supervillain, or vice versa. Um, probably best embodied by your Kang, the mm. Conqueror, Immortus, Kid Immortus, Immortus Junior, whatever <laughs> kind of a timeline that doesn't actually make any sense, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this this idea of like a character who will eventually become a, a bad person, but for now they're not. And, you know, are we ever going to see the moment when it happens and will it be anywhere near satisfying as just having both of them like argue while, while they zap each other with lasers? Probably not. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's one of my faves and, and pretty rare to see and almost never done, uh, particularly well but you know it's still fun yeah <laughs> nice all right ladies and gentlemen we have made it to the top of our list in record time almost like we're using some kind of power 
to get this mm-hmm. through the list so much faster. But not my number one, I love this trope, even though I think it's probably the worst kind of superhero trope that you can have. I call it the I created you, you created me trope where either the villain created the superhero or the superhero created the villain. And there's always this, uh, not quite a Janus, but definitely, uh, these are from the, the same kind of origin. Like, Oh, my lab is on fire. Superman came in and blew out the fire. Superboy came in and blew out the fire and also blew out all of my hair. Curse you. I will become a villain and take him down step by step. Uh, you know, just these silly, uh, symbiotic relationships that you have between the hero and the villain. Uh, you know, if you look at the 89 Batman movie, that's essentially what that trope is, uh, who created who in that, in that situation. And I find it, I find it so fascinating that so much of the time we look at super villains and superheroes and it's like, well, on the day that you got your powers, you uh, turned off the electricity in that room. And that is why I am called the shocker. And so I'm going to take you down uh, for the rest of my life, Spider-Man and shakes as a shocker fist at you. Um, But yeah, it's the, I created you, you created me trope that I think is the best superhero trope uh, out there. And I think if you're not using it, then you're failing your readers. So there you go. Uh, Matthew, what do you have? for your number one favorite superhero trope. My number one favorite superhero trope as of today, August the 20 something, 2022, it will change. It might change within the hour, but right now, as of this moment, my number one superhero trope, color coded Sentai team. I love, I can see that. This is important. I hate team costumes. I hate black and yellow costumes. Everybody is in the X-Men. Yeah. I hate when the Avengers put leather jackets over perfect, cool uniforms like Hercules's, whatever the hell Hercules wore. But I love it when they're slightly different and they're each one a little bit, you know, customized. You have the red guy and you have the green guy and you have the pink guy and you have the green girl. You have all of these characters, but each of them is kind of defined easily defined visually by color, but more importantly, after a while, because, you know, we started seeing this with uh, Gachaman in 1972, mm-hmm. after a while, all that stuff, yep. yeah, 45 years of Super Sentai, which turned into Power Rangers, which turns into, you know, thousands and thousands of knockoffs. You've gotten to the point where the colors almost have personalities of their own. Red is the leader. Blue is the lancer. Yellow is the wild card. Green is the clown. Black is the serious guy. You have these really cool things that have come up where you can actually have a character who, say, like uh, a few years ago, we had a character who was both a gold ranger and a silver ranger for two different teams And he was this two-faced person going back and forth, but he somehow managed to embody traditional Gold Ranger tropes and traditional Silver Ranger tropes. And it's it's just truly bizarre. Did he get two different paychecks? Yes, he did, actually. Oh, I don't know if he got paid. Double dip. Uh, It was a weird season because they had... uh, It was uh, another uh, Lupin, Arsene Lupin-themed season. So it was three thieves and three cops. And so these two three-person Sentai spent the whole season clashing, and finally at the end, 
came together as sort of a team with their sixth ranger, who was at that point technically their seventh and or eighth ranger. And skip it. Just go ahead and ask D&D Brian. That's that's what I usually do. But when you really do get, I mean, Jeff Johns loves it. He did it with Shazam. He did it with the Green Lanterns. Marvel loves it. Marvel will do this all the time where you'll have like a bunch of guys say in the Global Guardians, it's like, hey, not the Global Guardians, excuse me, the, um, what do you call those guys? The the, the X-Men's? People. The X-Men's no. uh, blue, X-Men's uh, yellow? The Imperial Guard. Oh. The Imperial Guard, where you have like a red leader and an orange weirdo, and then, a, you know, you have these just bits and pieces of, you get them, and they're not wearing the same uniform. That is the, that is the big flaw of the Earth 247, the reboot Legion that Steven loves. The big flaw is they had the same costume. You need to have costumes slightly different and different colors. And no, Cosmic Boy, pale scarlet is not really a color. You're just wearing pink. It's whatever he wants to call it. He wants to call it salmon. It's salmon. He wants to call it million. Yes. If that's the, if that's what he wants it to be called, then that's what it shall be called. Not with this colorist budget. Yeah. That's true. Speaking of budgets, Rodrigo, we're almost out of time and we need to get to our number one. What do you got? (laughs) Uh, My number one is a trope that I really enjoy. Uh, It is little character. Is very strong. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's like big characters who are very strong are cool. Medium-sized characters who are very strong are cool, but they're not as cool as a little character who is very strong. Um, your Princess Powerfuls, yes. uh, your your Gullies, your <laughs> um, something else that didn't come out between 1996 and 2010, <laughs> back when I was reading comics. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I really like, uh, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, it's it's obvious, it's almost an obvious trope in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Having having the little, the littlest character be the strongest, it's like, it's like a very obvious inversion. But I still like it when I see it, so. Yeah. 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 If, you, if your book has a very, uh, like, the smallest character in the team be the strongest, that's, uh, that's something that I'm going to be interested in. Yeah, like in Tom and Jerry, where the little mouse comes up and... Tom's getting ready right. to smash him and he just grabs him by the little pinky and twists it and then grabs him <laughs> by the little pinky and slams him back and yeah. forth on e- either side. That is, that is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I do like cousin that. muscles is the best. Yeah. Right. Does, uh, trying to think, uh, some really tiny DC or Marvel characters that have that. Oh, I, I guess, uh, what's his name? Uh, fair play. Um, has it right. Mr. Terrific is, is that Mr. way. Terrific. But yeah. he's not, he's not, particularly small something well golden age here. golden age one right oh yeah, but well, the original have, adam. you're thinking of the adam, adam that's yeah, what i'm thinking adam. of yeah yeah, yeah 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 the original adam um but especially after he got his atomic strength mm-hmm. was yeah, the one original of adam was like a very reasonable version of that he was just like a short guy who yep. worked out a lot and was just like very physically and strong what about because Puck it was 1940 over there on the being short was actually treated as a disability which sure. i think is just ridiculous Right. But yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, this isn't like, uh, like Wolverine doesn't really fit this trope. Even um, though he's, I mean, no, he's, he is. I mean, he's short. He's what? Five he's one short. or something. He's five three, but he's not, he's not like, I think what Rodrigo is describing is the you're talking about like diminutive, guy. like the atom when he's tiny. Yeah. 
Uh, or or, I mean, or Ant-Man when he's tiny. I mean, you can, or you like, can say that Ant-Man fits in this trope because he does retain his strength or, or increase his strength when he shrinks, yeah. depending on yeah. who and how they're writing it. Yeah. Um, how would you feel about Mary Marvel back in the 40s when she was a 14-year-old girl with the power of Shazam? I mean, definitely, right? So, yeah, it's... Unless unless there's a smaller character in the team, mm-hmm. um, you uh, you you yeah. pretty much got me there. Um, Dynamo Five had um, five five characters, hence the name. But right. one of them was this uh, very small, very slight goth girl named Bridget. Yeah. And at one point, they lost their powers, and the kid who had super strength, who was like six foot five, got telepathy, and Bridget had the punching powers. Right. So she was she was just like this really small, thin kind of goth woman, but she would like knock down entire buildings. I mm-hmm. always love that. Yeah, pretty yeah. Freeman with seen... the power of Elvis. Yeah, oh, shaking those hips. No, you're thinking of you're thinking of Kingdom Come. Uh, that's that, that, Frederick Freeman. Yeah, gotta watch Earth out for him too. Yeah, he's different. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, top five favorite superhero tropes. We've shared ours. Now it is time for you to share yours. And the best place to do this is over at the Major Spoilers Discord server. You can join the Discord server for free. There's a link in the show notes, people. All you got to do is click on that link. That will take you to the Discord server. Then jump into the Top 5 channel, and you can share your Top 5 superhero tropes. Other people are already sharing their Top 5 superhero tropes. There's also some crazy uh, gifts in there. A whole bunch of... uh, other lists that you can read from past episodes it's a great community for you to come and join and uh, we can't wait for you to do uh, to do just that why because everybody loves a list and we can't wait to read yours over on the major spoilers discord server that's where we're going to wrap it up this week thank you so much everyone and we will be back next time when my prognostication tells me ooh tabletop games coming in the very near future stick around This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.